0: Thank you,
1: Dad. I am the king of the I always wear my mask and wash my hands after I'm all.
0: It's a good tour, but I think I think too much.
1: You found it. It's the Japan Web Podcast, episode 115. And I am your host, Pmbigolo.com. And MatthewPMBigelow.com is where you can also go to find show notes, photos, Donation ideas and more for the show that focuses on, from a Japanese perspective, of course, AI trends in the markets and in the culture. We got the rise in uh, conflict in the Indo-Pacific, odd items, and uh, focusing on how Japan is tied up with the rest of the world as well. We don't want to be too isolationist or sakoku, that period of Japanese history that some people aspire to return to, but not so much on my end. Because I would be kicked out of the country because they would just say, it's Sakoko now. Get out, you stinky gaijin. you would be like, Jim. I don't stink. They'd be like, yeah, you do. You do. You do. You do." So welcome. Uh, yeah, I'm just tracking everything Everything these days. It seems like there's a lot of, I don't know if you've noticed, a lot of madness in the world. And it's uh, it goes beyond the social media construct. I mean, we can walk around in our day-to-day lives and... Nothing's too crazy. Finally, some prices are coming down with this inflation stuff, but other prices continue to go up. But, uh, yeah, it's a little nutty out there. And uh, if you're uh, managing to not take sides in the whole war thing, which is all my policy, I mean, when you start taking sides in war, you're like, you're basically getting blood on your hands. And unless you have to, you may as well just stay out Uh, That's what I did with the whole Ukraine war, was not interested in taking sides there. I was just like, why is the prices increasing? Oh, we kicked Russia out of the SWIFT system. Now all the fertilizer prices are going up. Now there's not as much fertilizer being made. And now the EU is turning nitrogen into a, a poisonous gas. And so we need to close all the farms. And now... The fertilizer isn't going around as much, and now my coffee doesn't taste as good because the Colombian farmers importing the Russian fertilizer can't import to the degree that they used to. So now the, the leaves on the plants aren't as big as they were before, and it's affecting the flavor of the cherries and the beans. And now when they send that stuff to Japan, it costs twice as much, and it's half as good. That's why once you start screwing around with my coffee, that's a line in the sand. And I'm not taking sides. And this whole thing with the Middle East as well, Japan's going to get wrapped up into it. It always does at one level or another. Um, The whole war on terror, Japan is technically a pacifist nation, but they get involved. They have to send some supply ships. They have to refuel. So Japan imports all of its oil, and then it puts it into these ships requiring fuel. And then they send these ships out to the Middle East to refuel other ships from America, which is producing the oil. <laughs> it's like, what a scam. What a scam. It's all a scam. Right. How could it not be just a total scam at this point? But um, finally, the price of beer is coming down. Some, some alcohol as well. Which you know, in these uh, these times is like, hey, at least something's coming down. But I was looking at uh, like, recently the Japanese yen is really low. Um, it was like 80 to 90 to the dollar, meaning if you had one US dollar, you could get whoa, 110 yen at the end of let's just give it that round, nice round number. We're not we're not scientific math missions here, okay? Uh, in the end of 2019, now it's at like 150. And that has a knock on effect because everybody importing passes that increase down to the next person who passes that increase down to the next person who passes that increase down to the next person. I remember when the consumption tax was increased from five to eight percent, I'd be like, OK, well, if I buy something for 100 yen, it's only going to cost 103 yen. No, something like 500 yen got increased to 550 yen because of this cascading knock on effect. Um, and we're seeing the same things now. I, I'm a music guy and I've been kind of investing in some audio equipment over the past few years. And some of it's expensive and some of it's cheap just cause I don't want to get my feet too wet. Right. And, uh, I was looking at like a piece of gear and it was about 20,000 yen, 21,000 yen. And I was like, wait a minute. This is this is way more expensive than it used to be. And I went into the Wayback machine, found the same website from 2018, and it was 8,000 yen or let's just say about 80 bucks or the current rates about 50 bucks USD. So in the past 5 years, something went from 50 bucks to $170. And we all see this in our daily lives in one way or another. Another item that I saw that used to cost 45,000 yen in 2018 prices, that would be roughly $400. These days, it's probably $325, around that. But in the Japanese side, it increased from 45,000 yen up to 110,000 yen for the same exact same piece of gear. It's not a new model. It hasn't been updated there aren't some new fancy doodads inside making it go, oh look, it's more expensive now for a reason. Just the depreciating yen with this crazy rate of inflation. I mean, we printed so much money during the COVID pandemic while shutting down the entire economy. We are living through some wild repercussions right now, let me tell you. And uh, I've just kind of noticed it here and there. So it's like, okay, we got some cheaper beers. Well, that's good, right? Because I'm having what you're having, Mr. Listener. Or Dear Listener or Ms. Listener. But um, at the same time, uh, what about those other things? So if I'm saving up for something that's 45,000 yen and the rate of inflation keeps going up to the point where if we end up saving for it, it's now 65,000. So it's like you may as well buy it then and then... Um, pay off with credit card over the next few years, and, you know. But I'm not that guy who really has a credit card bill. Nobody really in Japan is. So it's like, um, how do you how do you save to outpace the rate of inflation? Uh, the, some of the biggest raises in the history of the auto workers union or the big unions in Japan recently in the past a year just gave everybody like the biggest raise they've ever seen, but it's still not enough to outpace the overall rate of inflation. So you get a pay raise, but it ends up being still less money than before the pay raise. And it's not like it's incremental over 10 to 15 years because we're all used to like, oh, I remember a candy bar when I, when I was growing up was 85 cents and now it's Hundred twenty five, or it was 85 yen and now it's 125 yen. Well, it's a pretty big increase. What do you think about percentage? But over 15 years, you can kind of prepare for such things. But we're seeing like a 2X or a 3X up on um, sophisticated machinery just in the past four or five years. So man, I'm just glad that we have some beers coming down in prices. But it's like, it's also kind of like, hey, you know, the conspiratorial side of me begins looking at it and going, hey, wait a minute. Let them eat cake or the the dog and pony show or, you know, bread and circuses. Are they just purposeful, the they, and you know who's the, you know who they are. Don't you come at me with that. Are the they reducing the price in booze to placate the masses so we don't, really rise up to the degree that we should. We'll just go, oh, thank God beer is a little bit cheaper. Looks like I'll go home and placate myself. I mean, how many people are doing that right now? <laughs> so anyways, we have um one thing after another, right? Life is one thing after another. It's one dumb donkey Fudgesicle pop and mother funster and thin after another, isn't it? And uh, with all like you look around and all the decisions being made, there's like, hey, let's just make it worse. (laughs) Let's make it worse. But we'll get AI tech in return. We'll regulate it. So anyways, today we have a whole bunch of stuff like that coming up in the news. A bit of a rag there at the beginning. Wow, already 10 minutes in. Let's begin with a little high or not high. So let's move on to the the main meat of the podcast here. AI trends, Japan society 5.0. We uh, Covered some economic news right there with some analysis. We'll just call it that. Opinion and analysis. And um, odd items and more. So we're going to begin the first segment here with high or not high. High. Or not high. Um, I'm kind of tired of just thinking about technology as something that's an algorithm that's wireless and it's in a screen somewhere. For some reason, after the iPhone was released, we went from gadgets being tech or um, new clothing materials being tech uh, like new technological innovations and weaving and, and and synthetic materials and all that. To just, it's got to be connected to the internet and it's got to take photos somehow and it has to have a touch screen on it. Otherwise, it's not tech. Well, I don't know. Maybe we're just inundated with consumer tech and those products certainly were a home run. The most ubiquitous technology ever invented by man. The people. The people kind. Uh, was the smartphone, highest adoption rate ever. And I remember going to Sumatra in like 2010. And the smartphone penetration in Sumatra, Indonesia, was very, very low. And I showed them some of my apps and a phone that I had, an iPhone 3, a 3G phone. And they were just blown away. Like, this is voodoo stuff. They almost threw me in a pot and consumed me, the Batak people, known to be cannibals in the past. Or maybe they just really hated the Dutch. Uh, But now, five years later, you know, kids are uh, on the backs of motorcycles, uh, uh, you know, getting their TikTok on. High fevers. But anyway, so this is like a, you know, let's think about tech in in an alternative way. And this is a high or not high way. So do you, it's my way. My way or the not highway. Did Sorry. Did you um, hear about this hay fever fighting rice to be part of Japan's economic stimulus? Coming to us from japantoday.com. We were recording this on Halloween. Hopefully I don't have to, Spell it out for you, or hopefully this won't turn you off of your booberries. Hay fever fighting rice to be part of Japan's economic stimulus. So this is what I mean by technology on the genetic level. It looks like it's not tech, but on the genetic level, it's only tech. Tokyo. Japan is set to financially support the development of a genetically modified rice that can alleviate hay fever symptoms when consumed as part of economic stimulus measures being drawn up. Oh, I'm sorry. The, 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 I read this sentence before, but the grammat- grammatical structure here is a little bit odd. Japan is set to financially support the development of a genetically modified rice that can alleviate hay fever symptoms when, con- when consumed as part of economic stimulus measures being drawn up, government sources said Thursday. The way you could read that is like, when, when you consume the rice as part of economic stimulus measures, what? the government aims to commence clinical trials of the transgenic rice. Oh, trans movement in the rice. Don't kid yourselves. The whole trans thing is setting us up for transhumanism, where we accept that male can be female in the people, and then male can be female in nature as well or female can be male, whoever you want to trans, do your trans stuff. And then eventually we just accept that any can thing can be anything and we just need to accept it, otherwise we're racist. The government aims to commence clinical trials of the transgenic rice, which will be powdered and processed into tablets or capsules. It always has to go this way, doesn't it, now with this like weird nature tech? Same thing with the bugs, which we'll focus on later. A lot of the bugs are like, yeah, your culture is to eat bugs. Your ancestors turned over rocks in the rivers and ate some water bugs. That's why you're going to eat bugs again as part of your culture. We've set up this factory on the edge of town and it produces 10 billion kilograms of crickets every day. And we're going to ground it up and put it into your bread and sell it to your children at the school because it's part of your culture. You see, it's like, why does it always have to go into such weird dystopian madness every single time? Since fiscal 2000, the Ministry of Agriculture, Forestry, and Fisheries has been working on developing the rice produced by genetically modifying rice crops to contain peptides from Japanese cedar pollen allergens. I can see where this is going. Wow. (laughs) Cedar allergies are the major, major, major thing in Japan. I wonder if this will just make it worse. Here's a vaccine for your stupid COVID. Oh, it made everything better, right? Allergies to the pollen causing symptoms such as runny nose and itchy eyes are estimated to affect more than 40% of the population in Japan, according to an Environment Ministry survey. While sales of products to prevent hay fever, such as face masks and air purifiers, help increase consumer spending. <laughs> that's what it's all about. I have an idea about this. Another conspiracy theory. Uh, and it's, it's stupid, but is it? Analyst, analysts also point to the adverse effects on the economy from pollen allergies as consumers refrain from going out, pressuring the restaurant and entertainment industries. Okay, I'm going to interject here. So a lot of this cedar allergies, or cedar is not really a native, it is, but it's not. But after World War II, the government made a huge cedar uh, planting push because it's it's a quick growing wood that could be used for building purposes but then technology happened and people began using more steel and concrete with rebar so we ended up having in japan massive amounts of cedar forests that really didn't need to be there but because it's a government initiative it recycles those proceeds without the need for doing so but people will say, and it's just a big giant waste, and that's an example of bad government. But the uh, what about this? You can kind of guess where I'm going here. Okay, so the, the cedar pollen allergy from these giant forests that didn't used to be there. They're not that giant, but let's just call them giant forests. The cedar pollen blows off the sides of the mountain into the villages, and everybody in that village, or a large percentage of them, begin to have allergies, Now, what do you do to alleviate the allergies? You take medicine. So inadvertently, um, it spurred high amounts of medical companies to develop products to help with this solution that was caused by a problem that didn't used to to exist. So if you just got rid of the forests, you would get rid of a lot of the allergies, but then that would affect the, the bottom line of a lot of medical companies in Japan, which have incredible sway. Uh, So by having these forests being planted there, it incentivizes medical companies making medicines for allergies to produce more of these medicines and research into them and then sell them to people so that they can feel better while still being sick. Am Am I going off on a wrong tangent there? Is that wrong think? Or is it a wink wink up to something? I don't know. Back to the article. Exposing the body to cedar pollen allergens for a period of time before hay fever season can potentially induce immune tolerance and relieve allergy symptoms, according to the sources. The government is also considering collaborating with pharmaceutical companies to develop the transgenic rice. Yes, here's a nice bowl of transgenic rice. Why, thank you. Where is it? Oh, it's just a whole bunch of pills in this bowl. Let's pour some sugar on top and call that progress. So is this high or not high, or is this more nefarious psycho uh, pharma pharmaco gangster ass bullshit? Is it high or is it not high? High or not high? Before we go into the main part here of. The um, I wanted to go back to the idea, main part of the Japan Society 5.0, and a little bit of war today. A lot of the war, though, isn't affecting Japan right now. With the Ukraine war, and, and we had a lot of effects because of the um, grain and fertilizer and all that, um, you know, affecting feed prices, and then it affects food prices and all that. But so far in Japan, we've had some protests on the street, and I covered them a little bit last week. But because of the nature of the Middle Eastern war right now between uh, Israel and Palestine, it's, we're waiting for it to kick off on a larger basis. So it's not really, there's not a lot of war going on right now. And I couldn't find much about Taiwan because everything is uh, about the, uh, the, the Jewish confrontations with Palestinians in that area of the world. So I wanted to take a look more at the economic side of things today. Um, digital currency and de-dollarization and um, especially how that might be working together in a way. So let's take a look at the economy. Here we go. go. This comes to us from Japan forward. We're not going to go too much into it, but I wanted to cover it. Written by um, Galileo Ferrari. Uh, he sounds kind of Italian. We follow each other and communicate with each other on Twitter. And this is called DCG- JPY, A Revolution in Digital Currency and Global Connectivity. We won't go too much into this, but there's, a, there's like the, the Bitcoin people and then there's the Decentralized finance people, DeFi or DeFi or however you want to say it. And then there's a whole bunch of people promoting um, coins as well, and alternative coins. And I'm more of along the Bitcoin side of things, um, but I, I've, I've met plenty of people who want to use blockchain for other purposes as well, for stable coins or security coins. Because blockchain is on an open, uh, sorry, Bitcoin is on a blockchain and there is a way to trace it. And um it's by now it's it's a huge industry. There's Bitcoin satellites in space. There are miners, and uh it's a it's it it can be very intensive to mine Bitcoin these days. And I, I'm all for it, by the way, but there might be other applications for um security coins as well. So let's just take a look quickly at this. Japan is getting gear this comes to us from Japanforward.com. Japan is gearing up for a groundbreaking transformation in the way transactions are conducted in, and digital currencies are utilized. A consortium of Japanese firms spearheaded by cryptocurrency exchange Decurrent, or Decurrent, is set to introduce a digital currency by July 2024, revolutionizing the landscape of transaction and settlement systems. Um, one thing here is that w- w- as we move into the area of government, coins, uh Centralized digital currencies, centralized, I can't remember what it is, CBDCs, centralized bank digital currency. central bank digital currencies, thank you, brain. Um, maybe it would be nice to have a whole bunch of other competing um, elements in the blockchain ecosystem against the CBDCs, uh, not just to have CBDCs or Bitcoin, right? Uh, anyways. Decurrent says the backbone of its this digital currency aptly named DCJPY I guess that means decentralized Japanese yen will be provided by GMO Azora Net Bank Azora I know they they have a big branch in Yotsuya Operating on a network orchestrated by Decurrent Holdings, Inc., the yen-based DCJPY aims to redefine payment settlements and create a robust ecosystem for various financial applications. When discussing the primary use cases for the DCJPY stablecoin, Marisa McKnight, CEO and co-founder of Ioba Network, highlights the critical role of stablecoins as a settlement layer in the crypto and financial system ecosystem. Um We'll just read the quote here and then move on. Quote, the biggest use case for stable coins is always as a settlement layer. In the world of volatile cryptocurrencies, we need to have a stable asset that can be used for settlement. End quote. She emphasized this would provide a stable pricing mechanism for transactions involving the Japanese yen. Um, and it, kind of, it goes on from there. It'll be linked up at matthewpmbigelow.com if you're interested in it. And it the other subtitles include Unlocking the Potential of Clean Energy Certificates and Banking by Bank Deposits, a New Standard, and, and so on. A Consortium Driven Transformation. Interesting article by Galileo there. Happy to include it today. Um, it, yeah, Go read it if you want, and I think it's well worth your while. But let's take a look at this one, de-dollarization, question mark. China completes first digital yuan purchase for cross-border oil transaction. This is pretty huge um, because China is China and Japan are very strong trade partners. But China is seeing a very strong economic slowdown right now with its allies in the West. But it's seeing a rapid increase in its transaction volume with its allies in Russia, Iran, and then also making headway into Africa and so on. My opinion on all of this, and it really does tie Japan into it, is that China and Iran, and they see weakness in the West. They don't like what's going on in the West. They don't like the transgender movement. They don't like all of the um, constant kicking the can down the road, the fat people, the sarcasm, the cavalier attitude where they can just bomb anywhere they want and and not have to say Alua Akbar for doing so. I don't know about that last one, but um, they're tired of it and they're moving on. And so we often see headlines in the West of China's economic slowdown is going to reduce it to a stupid thing and it's not gonna, it's stupid now, stupid China. But I believe that China is now redefining its entire uh, ecosystem economically in terms of this push to have a digital yuan used around the world and replace the dollar. And if it has to take a massive hit to do so, it will do so. Remember, China did kill 60 million people, uh, and it's the government that did it then, and it's the same government that's in there now. They might be considering themselves the occasional risk taker. How about that? Um, so let's take a look by discounts from Zero Hedge. By Tyler Durden. Oh, okay. The main guy there. De-dollarization continues uh, accelerating with news of the Shanghai Petroleum and Natural Gas Exchange, a Chinese-backed exchange for trading energy-related products, selling its first cross-border transaction in digital yuan. I keep saying that basically as China, sorry, as Japan uh, is hitched to the hip with America... We are. There's a lot of bases here. The Japanese central bank and the is tightly kind of goes along with whatever America says. Uh, There's a lot of influence that America still holds over Japan, and Japan is still very much in a trade like a military pact with America. So, in terms of you know economic partners, both Japan and America have been doing well with China you know however you define that china has been doing well they get a lot of intellectual property and in exchange we get a lot of cheaply made goods um so i'm covering this right now because as we see more and more countries break from the dollar it also means they're breaking from japan and you know at the beginning of the podcast when I was going through all those products and things like that, we see a rapid increase in the devaluation of the yen while other countries are making steadfast efforts to break into new ground, to break away from these um, the old civilizations that are not doing very well. You know, the sick man of Europe was the Ottoman Empire. Maybe the, the ill man of the globe is the G7 consortium of uh, idiots because they're all idiots running this thing. And that means they're obviously governed by something else. They're all part of the WEF cult. So basically the WEF cult is subduing or purposefully manufacturing a kind of a collapse, a feudalist collapse in the G7 countries. And China doesn't want to be part of uh, it. They want to be on top of their own feudal caste system. So they're breaking away from the... Uh, G7, which has been co-opted by the World Economic Forum, in my view, and are, are pushing into growth areas. So they're willing to take a hit to invest in something that has a remarkable future ahead of it, considering the amount of young people there and considering the amount of uh, the less it costs to live these days, you know, in countries that have a, a, an, a, an annual average income of, say, 15000 to $25,000 dollars you don't necessarily need to have $50 million to live in a nice place in a lot of those places. So they're kind of creating the second world is creating their own economy and integrating it to push forward into a future and abandoning the weird uh, woke G7 mindset that is just a weird cancer on the world and actually everybody hates except for the people inside of it. And they think that everybody inside of this thing thinks that everybody who doesn't agree with them are just racists, but they're just mostly white people or, or white educated people saying that about 95% of the rest of the world, which is just, it, it aggravates everything even more. Let's continue. Chinese-based financial news outlet uh, Yicai first reported PetroChina International bought 1 million barrels of crude oil using digital yuan on Thursday. It was the exchange's first overseas oil settlement in digital yuan. Um, However, the name of the seller was not disclosed. The Shanghai Exchange that was mentioned earlier has made several transactions in yuan earlier this year. In March... PetroChina and Total Energies completed a yuan-denominated liquefied natural gas transaction on the exchange. According to the exchange, four such LNG transactions have occurred this year. I'm going to stop it there and move on to the next article. So that just is quite solid evidence that they're pushing for these things. And again, the digital yuan is the... China's central bank digital currency, so they swap digits for barrels, essentially. Very interesting, isn't it? And it's happening. And then as as this continues to happen, we see those prices for those electronics that I was looking at, or those uh, aud- those audio equipment fitted with uh, electronics just skyrocket more and more in price. I mean, it went up from 45,000 yen in 2018 to about 110,000 in 2023. And is that going to continue as this continues? Because Japan is kind of subservient in a way on the global political stage to America. Uh, next we have India rejects Russian demand for to pay for oil in Chinese yuan. Re- India is very self-interested in, this, in these cases, and it, I like what it's doing overall. I mean, I, I like the independent nature, you know, and they're not trying to push themselves on anybody else. They do send a lot of their people abroad and they tend to do very well wherever they go. Just look at all the CEOs in, and doctors in North America. But, um, yeah, I, so it's weird that Russia is pushing to pay, to pay to get India to pay for oil and Chinese yuan. And finally... Um, that, oh, the other one is the same one. PetroChina completes first international crude uh, oil trade in digital yuan. Is that the same one? This one comes to us from Coindesk. Um, one million barrels of crude oil settled in ECNY at the Shanghai Petroleum and National Gas Exchange by Jamie Crawley. Interesting. This comes to us from Coindesk. So I wonder if these two people are the same. They're not the same. Um... PetroChina bought 1 million barrels of oil, crude oil settled on, in ECNY or digital yuan at the Shanghai Petroleum and National Gas Exchange. So, okay, it's just a different article explaining the same thing. All right, so right, we'll stop it there. All right, so that is today's de-dollarization and looking at the economy. Um, very, very strange, but we can see that... Uh, these trends are progressing. Oh, oh, God, 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 God. I got to find it. I got to find it. I got to find it. Oh, this would be China. Finally, this is the one I was looking for. Coming from India in Chinese Yuan beats Euro. Is second most used currency in global payment system, Swift. Now, remember, we kicked Swift off of, we kicked Russia from Swift, the you know G seven did essentially after they invaded Ukraine <laughs> too many countries in my head at the same time, uh, but now we can see that as the China is like gearing up to invade Taiwan, we can see the Russia and Ukraine and depleting resources from the West and especially America with its funding of the Ukrainian side that's losing. And then as well, focusing all of its now attention on to Israel versus Palestine and giving billions and billions of dollars. And we're going to see casualties and resources depleted. China's just kind of now waiting and waiting and waiting and going, if we just let this wait, we are going to see everybody else spend all their money we're going to keep all of our money and then they're going to have these militaries that are just basically brutalized. We can basically stroll into Taiwan and take over their chip factories and nobody might even know. It depends how much, how crazy things get with Israel, right? Because the American deep state is obsessed with Israel. I'm not. I think it's fine if it's there. Good luck to you, Israeliites, to build a nation. It's not easy. You go, And but, you know, hmm, maybe some people won't be happy that you're there. And we are seeing that right now. So what are you going to do about it? What are they going to do about it? I ain't doing shit about it. Uh, let's take a look. As of <laughs> September 2023, the yuan accounted for 5.8% of international payments, up from 4.82% in August. That's like a one point one point increase almost, one percentage increase in one month. Interesting, which is the highest share the Chinese currency has held in the last five years, according to the SWIFT data system. By the way, the Indians are probably the best English speakers in the world right now. And they are the best people at explaining things in terms of paragraphs and connecting ideas together. So if you really want to get good global analysis from a from like a unique perspective, I really recommend Indian sources. They're the best. The Chinese yuan has surpassed the euro to become the world's second most used currency in swift trade settlements, according to data from the Swift Systems we just covered. As of September 2023, the yuan accounted for 5.8% of uh, payments. Well, I don't know why it's repeating itself now. Well, I, I pumped it all up, and now it's just read full story. The euro ranks now third in international payments, with its share decreasing to 5.3% in September from 6.43% in August. Hmm. The Japanese yen and Saudi rial follow, ranking fourth and fifth, respectively. The development comes as China continues to expand its economic influence globally. Despite the yuan's share of global payments remaining small compared to the size of China's economy, it has seen a steady increase from about 1.81% from five years ago. The Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication, or SWIFT, is a Belgian cooperative society that provides services related to the execution of financial transactions and payments between banks worldwide. Boom. That's what I mean by the Indian writing. So That's so clear and good. The U.S. dollar and the euro have traditionally dominated SWIFT payments, making up for more than 7 out of 10 payments in 2023. The rise of the yuan in international trade settlements is seen as a reflection of China's growing economic power and its efforts to make the yuan a global reserve currency. However, the yuan share is still negligible compared to the dollar's 46.6%. Anyways, I'll be including that. Uh, on Maybe the writing is the best, but their formatting is like a little repetitive there. So I'll, I'll remain there. And that's going to be it for the economic news for today. China is basically... Doing the salami slice approach, which is always kind of does it takes a little bit of Tibet, and then it's, a, did, did, and then it's all of Tibet. You know, we're just gonna go Weeg, we're gonna go into Manchuria, Manchukuo, or whatever that place. We're just gonna take over some islands in the South China Sea. No, they want the entire China. So the same thing they're doing with the international banking systems. We're just going to take a percentage and we'll see where that goes. But I predict um, China's going to kick a lot of ass while the West really worries about what type of pronouns they're going to be using. And I hate to say that because I really don't care about pronouns that much. But when you have so much focus on these types of things, how can you uh, focus on really, really serious matters, like what China is doing. How do you do that? Oh, Mr. Xi Jinping, before you outlay your strategy for global domination, have you considered what type of pronouns you should be using? And if you have not, have you thought about uh, making everybody else use pronouns in the Chinese Communist Party? Well, we're trying to focus on global domination right now. We don't really have, we'll get to the global domination in a moment, Mr. Xi Jinping. But right now, we're kind of focusing on pronouns. Okay. So before we get to that, we're going to, we have an hour here. We'll spend 30 seconds at the very end talking about global domination. But we're going to spend every single moment up until that point talking about pronouns. Do you understand? Yeah, sure. I think I kind of get a feeling for how crazy you people are and how successful we are going to be. Well worth my hour. Best price. Here we go. Go. All right, let's go into Society 5.0.
0: The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Sis-
1: Actually, why not? Before we go to Japan Society 5.0, go to and Bigelow.com when you can. We got show notes, photos, links and more every week you can see what I'm talking about read it for yourself make your own conclusions. It's the big big boy table it's the big girls table. put on your pants big girls and join the table. Uh, you can make up your own minds. and we also have the podcasting 2.0 infrastructure being used. What is that? well Google is getting rid of a lot of its podcasts and YouTube is trying to is promoting fake podcasts. Podcasting 2.0 is a new um, infrastructure based on protocols that allow podcasters to use high-tech without being involved in big tech. It's sensor-proof, and it allows uh, users of the podcasting apps like Podverse, Fountain, CurioCaster, and more to send Bitcoin micropayments directly to the podcaster in the form of Satoshi's. Get a GetAlbi wallet, getalbi.com. Uh, get some streaming going on, and you can send boostograms, which are messages directly to the podcaster, and so on. It's a great infrastructure, and we are supporting it wholeheartedly on the Japan What Podcast. So that's MatthewPMBigelow.com or get yourself a new podcasting app at PodcastApps.com, or just look up Podcasting 2.0, get involved, get rid of those old podcasting apps because censorship is a coming. Japan Society 5.0.
0: The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0. A technology-based, human-centered society. This industrial revolution will raise our standard of living and solve various challenges we face. It will, for example, free us from the stress of driving, allowing us to safely visit anyone, anytime. We will have access to the latest... All
1: right, so a couple of things today. We have Japan Mobility Show provides glimpse of robots as future of rescue efforts. And I should say, I always do. Japan Society 5.0 is a government initiative called Japan Society 5.0, aiming to create a digital society, human-centered. And when I was working at a telecommunications company in um, Japan, the uh, one of the main three, I was running an AI class, and a lot of the materials I was teaching were targeted towards engineers and um, uh, corporate officers. Um, and... And focusing a lot on next generation technology. And they'd invested about a $100 billion into AI technology as well. So um, it kind of gave me a, a fly on the wall view of all this technology stuff. And um, as it's coming towards us on the horizon by discussing how it should be used or implemented or how others are trying to implement it, it, it allows us to, to envisage what type of future we're actually going to be living in instead of just like um, a, a fake... Presentation that we see by people who don't know anything about it, uh, which is often the case in terms of like uh, news media and journalists and stuff like that. So it's kind of more of analysis of Japan Society 5.0 drones, AI, facial recognition, all that stuff is underneath this Japan Society 5.0 umbrella. So, Japan Mobility Show provides a glimpse of robots as future of rescue efforts. And this is always weird. So, Japan has, like much of the other G7 nations, is stuck in this science fiction representation of what robots really should do. We've all seen the Boston Dynamics robots. Um, and they started out really goofy 10 years ago. But now we have, like, those robot dogs that can walk over rocks and... Have a, have a lot of applications for monitoring and mining exploration and uh, other, other robots used by Amazon that are just very functional. The Roomba, which goes around your room and cleans your room and scans the room and sends that data of your room to some server run by Roomba. But a lot of the products in Japan are still like, it has to be Akira or Gundam or I have to be like an exoskeleton. And it's it's really kind of ensconced or shoehorned into this like sci-fi fiction world instead of being an actual thing that can happen. When I was at SeaTec a couple of weeks ago, the major technology conference in in in, in Japan, A lot of the Japanese companies still had like, we always have to think of the future and what are we going to do for the future instead of thinking about what needs to be done right now? Well, what about right now? Why do we always have to plan? We need to SDG 2030 this thing and shoehorn a bunch of sci-fi stuff from our collective film uh, fiction, you know, uh, consciousness and make it a real thing in the future, but it's never going to be a real thing. So, same thing with a lot with this uh, Japan Mobility show. Uh, I found the same thing. I didn't go, but I researched it. With a drone camera, a survivor is spotted in the rubble. Okay, this comes to us from Ancien uh, Balmer and it's being posted at japan uh, but it's coming to us from AFP. As you can imagine, it's a French press. With a drone camera, a survivor is spotted in the rubble. Good use of the tech. A robot on tracks brings him water while rescuers and exoskeletons clear an escape route for an autonomous stretcher to take her to safety. This is the futuristic vision on display at the Japan Mobility Show, aiming to exhibit how technology can help and sometimes replace humans in a country short of workers and no stranger to disasters. But so as not to alarm people, the imaginary tragedy is unleashed by Godzilla, see? See what I said? It's always shoehorned into some sci-fi thing that used to exist, but it's not really a thing. And it can't be the thing because it might scare people, even though it's the thing that we should be doing, because that's what it's going to be happening. Here's a scary situation for the technology, but we're not going to make it scary. We're going to make it for science fiction people. What? Enough. In Japan, nearly 30% of the country's population is age 65 or over. Quote, because of the decline of the population, there are fewer and fewer people available for dangerous tasks. End quote, said Tomoyuki Izu, founder of Atrakrab, a local startup specializing in autonomous mobility. My idea is to help people such as firefighters with my machines. Izu, 61 years old, told AFP. It was Atraclab that co-developed the small delivery robot squeezing through the cardboard rubble rubble, at the Japan Mobility Show and designed the remote control stretcher on wheels or tracks. For now, the Japanese government favors quote-unquote traditional equipment for relief efforts, he said the event, uh, which opens to the public this weekend, but it was already last weekend. So, as you can see right there. Um, The Japan Mobility Show featuring Japan's technology for the technology of the world features fake robots in a fake setting doing fake things for something that's never happened under the guise of some science fiction event because nobody knows what the hell is going on unless Godzilla is in the background for some reason. It's not good, it's not healthy, it's not real, and it's layering on. There's so much focus on layering on the the bullshit on top of the technology. Just show us what the technology can do. We're ready for it. We don't need this uh, helpful guiding hand of movies and uh, redundant explanations. Just show us what it can do. Just show us what it can do, especially at these trade shows. All right. Um, Koto and Denso collaborate to enhance night driving safety. I'm not going to go into that, but if you're interested in that, the link will be up at matthewpambigalow.com. The main focus for today, though, is uh, G7 uh, agrees on guiding principles for AI developers to address risks. Now, this actually has a lot of real-world ramifications because these people are building back better. Remember, build back better. Everybody was saying build back better. I could play a compilation of it. Why don't I? Yes. Why don't I? Indeed. All right. I got a build back better compilation for those that don't know, and uh, this is a a mashup on YouTube. And I'll just say the people who are mentioning build back better as we come across them. It kicks off with uh, Tony Blair X. Ex- PM of England. Very pertinent question to ask, how do we build back better?
0: To build back better or whatever. How dare you? We have a chance Greta. to reset the clock and build back
1: better than before. Some whore. To build back better than before. Cuomo.
0: Remember the, the terrible damage of COVID as we try to build back from this uh, global
1: pandemic. Joe Biden calls it build back better. Build back better. Pelosi, Clinton. Building back better. Trudeau. To do things Differently. Boris to Johnson. Back better.
0: We're going to build it Elizabeth, back better.
1: Elizabeth Warren. And build it back better. Obama. In my plan to build back better. Biden. Uh, start taking all the problems that have been created in right. education, mental health, and start to, to build back in a positive way. I- <laughs> Depending how high you are in the organization of international predator class, you can um, change a little bit of what that means, uh, as Bill Clinton and uh, Hillary, uh, sorry, as Bill Gates and Hillary Clinton did. Um, the XPM of Japan, Mr. Suga, uh, who replaced Abe after Abe was shot dead also in his first address to the united nations said we want to build back better so this comes back to japan as well and i'm calling this episode build back worse and so we come to the mainichi here japan's daily since 1922 and g7 agrees on guiding principles for ai developers to address risks now If you've been around any of these people, they don't know anything about AI. They're just shuffled into these meetings, and then they say, we need to do more for AI, we need to do more for AI. And then uh, instead of doing more for AI, they end up doing less for AI. And I quite like AI. It's becoming quite reasonable that decentralized AI systems are going to outpace centralized AI systems. So you might have Google and Bing or Microsoft have these AI systems in place, but the rate of reducing cost to operate them in large language models and so on are going to be able to be replicated quite soon. So what's going to happen, what these, my opinion, what's happening here is the superpowers of the world want to prevent the spread of AI. So they want to take the best use cases right now. For example, chat GPT as the public one and maybe behind the scenes Palantir maybe some other ones like Kai Pod and uh, build moats around them and then prevent competition from spreading so that the power can be retained in a centralized state. And those pursuing decentralized artificial intelligence systems can be uh, demonized uh, by the upcoming um, systems that are going to be in place set up by the G7. And that's why other countries like China is just saying, no, thank you, bye-bye. Tokyo, Kyoto, the group of seven industrialized nations on Monday announced international guiding principles in a code of conduct for companies developing advanced artificial intelligence systems in a bid to address privacy concerns and the risk of misuse. That's right. The, the global cabal of people that monitor everything we do and say are worried about our privacy. Sure they are. The document aims to, quote, promote safe, secure, and trustworthy AI worldwide, the G7 said, noting that developers, while harnessing the opportunities of innovation, should make sure that the technology is not deployed in a way that undermines democratic values, facilitates terrorism, or poses, quote, substantial risks to human rights. Ooh, it's scary. The AI is scary, but the government is here to help. Idiots in their 70s and 80s who've never even experienced what it's like to troubleshoot a computer because they've had assistance their entire lives. They've been wiping and having their asses wiped since the age of 30 by interns. These people are going to show us the way. The G7 involving Japan, the United States, and the European Union have been discussing the need for international standards to harness the technology amid the rapid spread of generative AI tools such as chat GPT. In a leader's statement issued along the principles and code of conduct documents, the G7 vowed to accelerate the process towards developing a comprehensive, oh, it's comprehensive policy framework by the end of this year, which will include overall guiding principles for all AI actors. Now, what are these AI actors? Um, Now, one thing towards the end of this uh, document is that ah, the EU has been moving ahead of other countries in regulating the use of AI. The EU loves regulations. With the European Parliament adopting in June a draft of what it calls the first AI comprehensive law. Um, Where was it? That's... I need to find it. I need to find it. I need to find it. Okay, I found it. It was in a different document that I was reading earlier from the Mainichi Japan from October 28th. From the regional bloc of the EU, Valdis Dombratskiewicz, uh, executive vice president of the European Commission for, quote, this is all capitalized, an economy that works for people joined the fourth bilateral high-level dialogue on economic issues such as trade and energy, the first of its kind since June. All right, so an economy that works for the people. For people, not the people, just people. Uh, what what does that even mean? Well, I looked into it, and it's, it's actually on the commission.europa.eu website, and there's, it's called an economy that works for people. That's just a bunch of stupid buzzwords. That's why I'm calling this Build Back Worse. And it shows like the picture is an economy that works for people. And it shows like a, a couple, one with a fro who's kind of maybe a little darker than a white girl who's really happy. They're all happy. They're at a laptop and they're running some kind of shop, like a clothing shop. And because of the EU, they're so happy to have this clothing shop about. Individuals and businesses in the EU can only thrive if the economy works for them. (laughs) What's the message there? We are going to command your economy. The EU's unique social market economy allows allows economies to grow and to reduce poverty and inequality. Oh, really? Small and medium-sized enterprises are the backbone of the EU's economy. It is essential to strengthen them, complete the capital markets union, all capitalized, and deepen economic and monetary union. With Europe on stable footing, the economy can fully respond to the needs of EU citizens um now this goal goes so that's what that's what they want so the more you dig into these uh, initiatives the more you just see like uh coded catchphrases that translate as we're gonna do it for you and you're gonna like it um so the other similar notes that I'm going to put up onto Matthew P dot related to this are the new consumer agenda, European Commission to empower consumers to become the driver of transition, whatever that means. <laughs> and Japan and EU agree on developing rules for cross data uh, flows. And this goes back to when was this published on October 28th? cross-border data flows, I mentioned this earlier, the f- the free flow of trusted data or trusted fle- free flow of data, which was a, a world economic forum, literally, like the fourth industrial revolution of Japan came up with this thing called fr- free flow of data with trust. And they then introduced those ideas to the Japanese government in these public private m- m- meetings which is, you know, it sounds great on paper, but in fact it's like we are going to tell the government what to do now from the supreme corporate sector and they're going to do it. And this is also what's happening with these G7 meetings here that we are looking at right now. So the press corner for the economy that works for the people also has a bunch of cheesy-ass uh, statements Today, the European Commission launched the new consumer agenda to empower uh, European consumers to play an active role in the green and digital transitions. The agenda also addresses how to increase consumer protection and resilience during and after the COVID-19 pandemic, which brought significant challenges affecting the daily lives of consumers. This is all Build Back Better. So that's what I'm getting at. It was kind of, I had to piece it together and it was a little rammstein it was a little Frankenstein-y. Here's the arm, and I shove it into the point. But this is build back worse. So all of these people that said we need to build back better, we need to build back better, we need to build back better, what they meant was they, they want control of the supply chain. So the the private enterprises of the world, which I tend to support more than the government enterprises of the world, were having too much control and too much say over how goods and services flowed between borders. So they created a virus and they've it onto the world. Then they printed all this money and they destroyed the local economies. And now they want to consolidate all of that into their own harebrained ideas, which only go as far as the latest buzzwords will tell, let them explain themselves as. And then they come back to us and say, now you're safe. That's the whole process. So if you're wondering why, a whole bunch of things are like way out of key right now. That's the reason why. It wasn't just a pandemic. It was a pandemic and then a response and a solution. And the response is bad. The solution is bad. And now as long as these kind of governments and consortiums consortiums get to control the AI, even if it's really bad AI, at least they will be in control of it because they fear on a huge, deeply existential level that regular people will be able to use tools that replace them. They want to replace us with robots and machines, but we can replace them with robots and machines just as easily. They don't like that. And they know that that's possible. And you say, who's the they? You know who they are. (laughs) You know exactly who they are. Um, And we see it all around us all the time. It keeps going and going and going. So that's the the point of Japan Society 5.0 for today is that the efforts being made right now are not good because the people making them don't actually understand the technology. They view it as a type of magic, essentially, that needs to be just controlled by them even if it's in a really, really poor and mismanaged way. Just think about all of the horrible mid-level managers you've had ever in your life. All of them, right? They're all horrible, essentially. Those are the people that think that they have power over you just because somebody else said they do. And they are willing to use all of these tools to maintain their positions of power and to keep everybody else that doesn't have a position of power below them because they've been diligent in their uh, efforts to to be obedient to um, higher corporate powers and to not express themselves as individuals. But if you continue to use These um, technologies to empower yourself and you can basically learn to replace them. And that's the message for today's Japan Society 5.0. All of these people are building back better, but they're building back worse. But in their case, Building back better just means they keep the power. And as long as they keep the power, it doesn't matter how crappy it gets for everything else and everywhere else. As long as they get to make the decisions and tell us how to use the technology, that's their version of building back better. And they'll say, we've built back better. We've taken bold steps to build back better. And they will be like, and you, this is a great opportunity for you to to build back better too. And all that means is, Join us or die.
0: The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the internet of things into new wisdom.
1: A couple more headlines before we break away from these people building a breakaway society. Japanese scientists make better lithium-ion battery without cobalt, linked up at com with a photo there. Brakes apply to driverless public transport after a Fukui accident. Um, just a minor thing. It's like a little buggy that was self-driving ran into a bike. Nobody was on it. Nobody was injured. It's not really worth talking about. But if you're interested in the progress of self-driving vehicles in Japan, that one should be for you. AI Suitcase tested outdoors to guide visually impaired people. It's just like this protocol thing. I had an idea, but the other kind of global takeover stuff was more important. An AI map analysis uncovers 34 probable ancient burial mounds in Japan. So those will all be linked up at MatthewPNBigelow.com for your reading pleasure.
0: Society 5.0 A technology-based, human-centered society. The fourth industrial revolution will raise our standard of living and solve various challenges we face. It will, for example, free us from the stress of driving, allowing us to safely visit anyone, anytime.
1: We will have super goddamn of the week. Stupid gadgets, Coming to us from japantoday.com. U.S. soldier arrested for trespassing in home in Aomori Prefecture. Aomori Prefectural Police have arrested a 21-year-old U.S. soldier stationed at Misawa Air Base on suspicion of trespassing into a home. Police said the suspect had remained silent since being arrested on Sunday, Kyoto News reported. According to police, the man unlawfully entered a home of a 95-year-old man at around 9 a.m. on Sunday. The homeowner immediately called police who said the American was drunk at the time of his arrest and didn't seem to know where he was. Yeah, off base, one too many shochus with a friendly local, and the next thing you know, you're getting arrested for breaking into the house of a 95-year-old man in the northern prefecture of Aomori. So, Mister Mr. Man from the military base, you should know who you are, and you should know that you are the perfect, perfect analogy for what America is right now. An old man stumbling around in the dark... Trespassing on other people's properties. Stupid you of the week. Stupid goddamn And we're gonna finish off today with a little bit of uh, depopulation, I think. Um, a little war. Yeah, I, should, I was thinking about doing that. Which one should we do? Mm, Nah, we won't do war. The war one is just like North Korea and Russia, and it's meh. Okay, we'll do depopulation. Mm -hmm. In this case, it's a tale of two depopulations, depending where you are. So it my whole my whole thing like a lot of people are saying Japan has a lot of people it'll be fine with a society of 80 million people and da, 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 da. I'm saying okay maybe eventually but once you have a massive decrease in the population you also have a decrease in the amount of really dumb people and the really smart people those tail ends of the curve decrease with the population so Japan is an advanced society. We have nuclear power plants. We have complex Shinkansen systems, train systems. You need to have really smart people running big corporations. Otherwise, things go south very quickly. So if you don't have like the intelligence in the population to replace all of those things or make new things to replace the legacy systems... Well, you're going to fall behind in one way or another just because there's so much legacy stuff out there that to operate it and man it might not might exceed the amount of people that could go off and do their own new things and so on. So um case in point is some people will just say, bring in the immigrants, okay? Well, if you bring in enough immigrants, eventually, if you're in an immigration society like Canada or, or, or not Japan, but Canada or America... Yeah, you can bring in new people. I don't It's going to be weird sometimes, but it makes sense. But in a place like Japan, you can't really just, you can't really expect it to stay Japan. And if it changes, it changes, right? Small group learning key to survival of Japan's least populous city in Hokkaido. In a nation known for its dramatically shrinking population, one city in Japan's northernmost prefecture of Hokkaido owns the dubious distinction of being the least populous of them all. Utashinai, with a population of 2700, is fighting for its survival by highlighting the educational benefits that come from schools having small class sizes, as well as providing financial incentives to encourage residents of major cities to relocate. In Japan, a city is generally defined as having a population of at least 50,000, with the majority living in a central urban area. There is also a requirement that a majority of the residents be employed in commerce, industry, or other urban occupations. Utashinai, located in the mountains of central Hokkaido, once thrived as a coal mining hub in 1948, its population peaked at 46,000, but has been on a decline since the waning of the coal industry. As of the end of September, the city has 2,701 residents, just six percent of its post-war peak. And it said, "We have failed to replace as a we, we have failed to develop a replacement industry." Said the city's mayor, Kazunori Shibata, who's 66, not a young chicken. Um. And it has a combined elementary and junior high school. The school only has three third graders. Although the lack of students poses a challenge not only in terms of learning, but also club activities. The uh, staff emphasized the city will do everything possible to overcome the educational challenge. Oh, really? They've only had 50 years to think of something. <laughs> uh, so the city is promoting the improvement of services. It opened a publicly funded supermarket with a community space in April to give residents somewhere to shop after the closure of the city's sole supermarket in 2009. To attract people from major cities, the Utashinai offers its beautiful natural setting and a financial incentive of up to 5 million yen to attract home buyers from big city. Now, So that's one thing. That's one approach. You kind of fray at the edges and eventually shrink away and die. In a small coal mining town, okay, well, there's not much coal mining going on anywhere. Places like that can just go, in my opinion. You don't have a nuclear power plant there. You don't have advanced technologies there. Okay, it can just kind of go. But notice that they're not really trying to say, like, we need more Vietnamese and we need more of this or that. The other option is to immigrate, bring in immigrants, Aging, this comes to us from the Mainichi, uh, Japan's national daily since 1922. The previous one was from Kyoto News via JapanToday.com. Aging Japanese town faces challenge as foreign population grows 20 times larger in 20 years. And this kind of goes with the idea of the beginning of the podcast. As inflation increases and as the value of the yen decreases, it's it becomes way more possible for things to go up two or three or ten times in price, uh, and the same thing with immigration. As the immigration increases and the local population decreases due to old age, you know you might have an overall decrease in population, but the percentage of younger uh, immigrants makes up a larger and larger proportion of your community. That can be good or bad. Nagasu Kumamoto. Kumamoto is a much easier place to live in than Hokkaido, uh, just weather speaking. And for most Asians coming from places without snow, they don't want to move to places with snow like Hokkaido, just generally speaking. Aside from an aging population, the southwestern Japan town faces new challenges as its foreign resident population has grown 20 times larger over the past 10 years. That's like 900% a year. In the Ariake Sea-facing town of Nagasu, where one in three residents is aged 65 and above, young foreigners and the elderly are living side by side. The young foreigners are just like, you're going to be gone soon and this place is going to be ours. In the early mornings and evenings, it is common to see foreigners riding bicycles between the industrial area and the residential neighborhoods. Many have bikes with plates that read Vietnamese Trainee our favorite. Nagasu's population peaked at 18,627 in 1998 and has since declined to 15,504, with the ratio of people age 65 or older at 36.6%, higher than the national average of 29%. Meanwhile, the number of foreign nationals living in that city while working in the town's shipyards and Sash factories <laughs> increased from 36 in 2003 to 749 as of September of this year, accounting for roughly 1 in 20 residents. Now percent. The country of origin uh, by ha- country of origin, half are from Vietnam, followed by the Philippines. It's also interesting seeing these immigration patterns in Japan, you know, it kind of figured itself. Japan is like more of a European style. Like we want to attract more Germans and Canadians and people of these, like these types of values or places. But eventually those countries ain't doing so hot themselves. And there's this giant kind of bastion of youth that exists in a lot of Asian cultures. And they just kind of come over here, but There's a big difference between Vietnamese people and Japanese people, obviously. Same thing with Philippines. Philippine people are very friendly and they like hanging out. Japanese people like hanging out, but only if it's for two hours from like 7 to 9 p.m. and you have to plan it three months in advance and uh, you know exactly what's going to happen and then you go home separately from each other. Philippines ain't like that. And Vietnamese are like really friendly to each other, but they're kind of suspicious when it comes to people other people talking to them. And I say that weirdly because... I've been around a lot of Vietnamese people lately. They're taunting themselves. I walk in nearby them. They all just stop and look at me in the convenience store. And I like scan something. One of them comes over and pushes a button and walks away. Like, well, that's not service. I'm not like in there like leering at them. It's weird. Um, At a glance, it first seems that The coexistence with foreigners is going well, but mixed feelings have risen among locals. Susumu Matsuhta, 84, a board member of the local community association, recalled, At first, the atmosphere was friendly, but as the number of people from abroad increased, some began to cause problems. At first, in response to requests to grow Vietnamese vegetables, locals lent their fields and harvested them together. They taught foreign nationals how to sort garbage and invited them to local festivals. Big deal in local Japan, by the way. They love sorting their garbage. The situation changed five to six years ago when the number of foreigners began to increase sharply, I would say. In apartment buildings home to many foreign nationals, noise from karaoke rang out as people gathered until late at night. There were also problems with people gathering at the beach or in vacant lots and not cleaning up after themselves. Even if trouble occurs, locals do not know they where they are employed, and they cannot communicate in Japanese. There is a limit of to what the community can do on its own, and it kind of goes on and on and on. But one of the things that it says is that, as the um, local, per, like a, a local Vietnamese person, kind of said, "Now that there's so many Vietnamese people here, and we're all young, and all the other Japanese people are really old, we don't really talk to each other, so we don't learn Japanese. We just." we just work really hard in the factories speak Jap- vietnamese all the time and then um, do karaoke on our days off in, in vietnamese and then we just live this completely separate life and i can say that's pretty similar to what i've experienced myself in japan when i was doing english teaching for 10 to 12 years at various places and you can make some pretty decent money there you're used to be able to like 50 60 thousand dollars a year when the yen was doing good and business was strong and people were interested it was like okay i'm just around english people all the time and the japanese people are speaking english so i don't really need to speak japanese all that much i learned a bit you know i learned quite a bit actually but the chances just go down and down and down so i kind of understand how they feel uh But, uh, you know, if you're an English teacher, maybe you're kind of expected to speak English. But if you're a factory worker, (laughs) I don't know, (laughs) you're supposed to be speaking Japanese. You're interacting with all the Japanese equipment. So it's just like this tale of two um, immigration strategies. One town in Hokkaido trying to get local people to move there by providing incentives and not succeeding. But maintaining its culture and it will just vanish. Or another culture, that another uh, city that makes sashes. Isn't that weird? They have a sash industry. Uh, The the town's shipyard and sash factories. Well, now you need people. You don't want to let your sash factories go out of business. Or even maybe the shipyards should be there too. I don't know which one's more important. Shipyards or sashes. Depends on who you are. So they need the people. But as you can see, it's not like the people are becoming Japanese and who knows what. Eventually, they just start making Vietnamese ships and God forbid, Vietnamese sashes there. Could you imagine this town in Kumamoto suddenly becoming a haven for Vietnamese sash making activities? Oh, God forbid, God forbid. Uh, but anyways, those are the two the two versions of uh, immigration, you know, and one's successful, the town getting the foreigners. Uh, one's unsuccessful, the town offering incentives. Mm, kind of an interesting idea. But as we see the depopulation trend occur in Japan, immigration will increase. And as the uh, ratio of um, mixed Japanese people, like, uh, you know, I've had two kids in the past three years in central Tokyo. The average birth rate for a woman in central Tokyo is one. So I've had two. So that's twice as many, right? As the mixture of mixed Japanese uh, increases to full-blooded Japanese, and then uh, and you throw in all the immigrants coming in here, we're, we're kind of moving quite rapidly to an aging... Uh, as the aging population of pure bloods dies out... The mixture of ethnicities is going to be increasing rather rapidly, I predict, in Japan. We'll see how it kind of goes. Well, I'm kind of, I don't really care all that much, to be honest. The only thing I care about is the loss of the cuisine, the loss of the food, and, um, and and like I said, the fraying of the edges where, okay, you have this town that used to be involved in coal mining disappear, but what about the nuclear power plants? What about the advanced Shinkansen systems? Is there enough of a local population to uh, of intelligence, of talent to maintain the legacy systems while also exploring new ventures? Because as we can see from those Build Back worst people, they just love going to meetings, rallying off a bunch of buzzwords and then trying to get the rest of the world to go along with them Well, the rest of the world increasingly says pound sand you crazy weirdos that don't understand anything uh and then they kind of throw a hissy fit at the g7 and say people aren't listening to us despite our intentions and japan is more and more in that camp too in the leadership position and so the more we see the younger people moving in not even paying attention to all that maybe they will develop the newer systems and come forth but i you have to have a very very targeted vision for that and a lot of those really smart people probably stay in their own countries because the japanese yen is going down and the economic outlook is not looking so fortuitous right now and so can you really trust a, a a diaspora of Asiatic populations in Japan to keep things Japanese in a place that has never really experienced mass migration in significant numbers before. Don't really know. It's a giant mystery. That's why I'm looking at it as we do on a day-to-day basis. Instead of just saying no immigration or yes immigration, or instead of just saying no AI or all AI, we're looking at it from a day-to-day perspective. So you've been listening to the Japan What Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Matthew Bigelow. Matthew P.M. Bigelow.com dot, dot, is where you com, can where find, you find, find all of find, the needs. Find, and don't forget to send us a donation at paypal.me forward slash Japan japanwut. paypal.me forward slash Japan W U T, Or get on those podcasting 2.0 apps. Podverse is the best, in my opinion. Podverse. You can import all your old podcasts into this new one. It's uh, censorship resilient. No advertisements, for the most part, as far as I can tell. And it's a nice little interface that you can use. So, you found it. The Japan What Podcast coming at you from the armpit of Asia. In the Toshiho Studios in Shinjuku, Tokyo, Japan. 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 I bid thee, ja mata ne. (laughs) Tá neto,